At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All righty, here we go. Watch this. We are live with the show today, Cocktails and Conversations, with your host. That's me, Doug Crow. I have got probably one of the most interesting guests I've had on in quite some time. She's giggling in the background here. I'm going to bring her on in a second. Um, it's not often that I do stuff on current events because I don't watch the news. You know, I'm like, uh, and I, um, I try to stay on Facebook, uh, but I'm not immune to what's going on in the world. And so when one of my friends and clients has the credentials you're about to hear, I'm like, holy crap, we have to talk. Um, master's in communication, PhD in psychology, former law enforcement officer in Chicago. I'd like to introduce my friend and the future best-selling author, Ms. Karen Bartouche. How are you doing, Karen? Excellent. Thanks so much for that great introduction. Is that all right? Yes. It works. Great. All right. Hiring. Hey. Uh, yeah. Hey, you want, can you tilt your camera down a little bit? You look like a hobbit. Yeah, and we know you're probably like six foot tall or something. I know you're not a hobbit, so see, I'm telling you. Is that better? Much better. Much better. Um, Yeah, no, it's a beautiful head. Listen, um, there's a lot I want to cover. I don't really have any agenda. This is called cocktails and conversations. I know you have to coffee because it's three o'clock in Chicago, but it's it's four o'clock here, so I'm having a gin and tonic, which maybe disguises tonic water. I don't know. Um, Anyway, gin and tonic, hold the gin. Hold the gin. That's right. Seriously, there's all this stuff going on, and I'm, I'm not sure where to start. So I want to get your, like, maybe broad perspective on this current events, and then we can drill down to, like, two or three areas I'm thinking about. From all your three, three experiences, psychology, communications, and law enforcement, there's three big things that we can all drive into. But give me, the, give me your overview on what's going on right now. Yeah, you know, it's such a complex issue, and I try to see it from all different sides. And I do see it from all different sides. And mm-hmm. for instance, today the news came out that two of the officers that were involved in the George Floyd incident only had four days on the job. Jeez. Yeah. And so I was talking to my brother, who is almost a 30 year veteran of the police department. He actually just yeah. retired in the wake of COVID. And uh-huh. what are those guys supposed to do? It's a very mm-hmm. hierarchical chain of command organization. Right. You have four days on the street, which means you have no power, no influence, no authority whatsoever. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? I mean, so it, it's just a hard, but then I see it from the other side too, that, you know, a person was blatantly murdered on camera. He's calling for help. I mean, so I see it from all sides. It's just a complex issue. And there's so many tensions on both sides. Right. The problem though that I see is that this happens. There's this huge flare up. And then in a few days, we cannot maintain that level of angst. Nobody can for that long. Right. But it's, it's difficult to maintain that level of angst for so long that it's going to die down, right. and then it's going to happen again. So that's, that's the part that I struggle with. That, that's the thing, the, the, the sociological, anthropological, cultural angle of this whole thing. is like, well, yeah, there's these big spikes because we have horrible memory, right? We're like goldfish. We're like, okay, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it's, it's craziness. Let me, let me ask you one, uh, one thing that I was really curious about. This is like a small issue, but it, it came up. I'm like, wait a minute. You were trained, and I, we talked about how you got training and, and real life scenarios and whatnot. And you, I, I'm pretty sure you mentioned this, if not, correct me, but the way you restrain somebody is can be done in a non lethal manner. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And actually, the Chicago Police Department was really good about talking about yeah. this uh, excited delirium where you're high on drugs and you're right. more at mm -hmm. risk. And then also positional asphyxia. They talked about that a lot. So yeah. you, there's actually a general order against hog tying people, so where their hands would be behind their back, right. almost the position that Floyd was in, except his feet wasn't in the you know tied up as well. Right. They were really big about that in the academy. I mean, they talked about deaths that had occurred because that's mm -hmm. not the first death that has occurred that way. Sure. So they were really strict about that, Chicago. I don't know about other police departments, right. but they were very strict, and we were very aware of that type of risk yeah. when there's you have to be. I mean, they could have any anything wrong in the world. Asthma, I mean, could have led to that. So there, you have to be careful. Yeah. And putting somebody in restraints, their stress level is high, their blood pressure is high. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things at risk. And really, even though you're taking them into custody, it is your job to then take care of them. Right. Yeah. You put your head down. Yeah. You know, you got to make sure he's, he's safe. Yeah. yeah. All those things. Yeah. They're now in your custody and you have to take care of them. So for nine minutes or eight and a half minutes or whatever length mm -hmm. it was way too long right i mean it just was and, and it, i mean is a is a knee on the neck a standard restraint method that sounds weird to me I mean, no no yeah. i mean i didn't i didn't learn that tactic in the academy absolutely not yeah. i mean you know if you study hand-to-hand -hand combatives or mixed martial arts certainly a choke or something right would come up but that's not something that was taught in the police department right no. yeah no. anybody knows that if you put pressure on the brachial artery uh -huh. artery, you're gonna pass out or in this case you know die right right because the autopsy is heart attack is that right from what i read or something like that or? yeah i don't because I, I know the family had one done too so i don't know all the facts there but right i mean it's some even if you bring a prisoner into the <clears> locker <throat> and they're like i don't feel good you have to take them to the hospital even right. if you can blatantly tell they're totally fine they're young they're in good health yeah. if they're saying they don't feel good you still have to take them to the hospital mm -hmm. so you right. have to, <clears throat> and it's really, you know, people cry wolf and that happens and they know that the hospital is a better experience than the jail experience. So right. they're going to say that to get yeah. out of jail. But you have to take it serious. You just have to. I mean, even on a human to human level, mm -hmm. you have to take that serious. Certainly. certainly. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because the, the uh, you know, carotid artery takes up, you know, blood flow of the brain. There's, you know, the chokehold. Yeah. It's not asphyxia because the trachea is here. And I didn't watch the video, so I'm uninformed here. I don't know if you watched it yeah. or not. I did watch the video. Yeah. Not so. the entire video, but the part where he's gasping for air, saying he can't breathe, calling for his mother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would have hoped that the other officers would have done something. Yeah. Yeah. But it seemed like they were all in an agitated state and mm -hmm. they were more worried about what was going on externally. I think they thought that the guy had him under control. Right. And let's pay more attention to the crowd versus mm -hmm. to the prisoner. Right, 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 okay, so, all right, so, yeah. It's just a tough situation, but yeah, that was absolutely not taught in any police academy. In fact, they taught the exact opposite and to be careful and okay. positional asphyxia. And I even remember that now, years later, right. that if somebody's on their stomach, regardless of how you're restraining them, they could be at risk. Uh-huh, okay. I mean, think of people who are claustrophobic and how uncomfortable they start to feel. Right. Well, like that mental angst starts to become physical and then mm -hmm. you're restrained and then you've got a knee on your neck there's so many things going on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right so that's uh yeah that's it's no fun it's it's no there's no, i mean it's funny here we go back to the culture now because i don't i don't know of anybody who's like oh it's not so bad i mean everybody thinks this is a problem right there's i haven't talked to anybody doesn't doesn't think there's an issue here yeah, I think people agree unilaterally yeah. that that's not the right thing. Even right. the most jaded, hardened cops that I know right. yeah. that usually maybe aren't in that mindset are, are like, yeah, it was totally right. wrong. Yeah. Totally. Right. But there are those police, just like there's people amongst all types of groups that mm. are just bad apples. And if you look at the one officer's background, Chauvin, I think that's how you say his last yeah. name. Yeah. He has 18 complaints against him. You know how many I had in 10 years? How many? Million complaints. Zero. Zero. zero and you're and you're still a badass you should have had at least one you know <laughs> yeah, i had zero citizen complaints and i'm you know i've locked up drug dealers i've locked up gangbangers i've mm -hmm. done large-scale big arrests i've been involved in big riots and things like that right. and i had zero complaints it comes mm -hmm. down to how you treat people mm -hmm. even if they know they did wrong but you treat them like a human being right they they tend to not complain it's when you take away their integrity and dignity and respect then of course they want to come after you and make some sort of complaint. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. I watched the um, National Geographic thing the other night. It was a, um, a drug bust. And this, this poor guy, that, you know, they got him at customs, and they tracked the package back to his house. They're waiting for him all day long. They're, like, bored out of their skulls, like, will this guy please come home, you know? And they go to, they go to arrest him, and he totally breaks down. He's like, can I go please talk to my wife first and tell her? He felt so bad. They said, sure, man, it's okay. You know, we all have families. So he goes in there with the cuffs on his back. He says, honey, I'm going to jail. You know, he's got two kids. stuff. So. But they were nice and not just to haul him off. They let him go say goodbye to his wife and kids, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, they're human beings. Yeah. Um, I, forgot, I was going to make another point. Yeah. About the, oh, so the other thing is a lack of training. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when, and I feel like I'm beating up the police here. Believe me, I'm pro-police. I'm pro-military. I support. But in this case, it you know, obviously requires some scrutiny. But when officers aren't trained properly, for instance, on the law and the nuances of the law, they mm -hmm. tend to go from zero to escalation because they think it's going to end the situation. Or like, I have the authority, now I'm going to escalate, put somebody in cuffs, and then it's going to end the situation. Whereas if you know intricately what you can and can't do in the law, then you can maneuver a little bit better out on the street. And so mm. I actually had a training company when I was on the police department called the Women's Tactical Association. Right. And we would spend eight hours breaking down the Illinois law, the, the statute. So you know what you can and cannot do, right. what is justified, what would happen if something did happen. And so you have to know those intricacies. And so I do think it comes down to a training issue, mm -hmm. especially if this guy's like a hard ass. One woman he worked for at the bar said that he tended to OC spray people when they didn't really, that really wasn't required. So there's many of those people that come on the job because they, they want that power and authority and then they go and abuse it. Yeah. We, we, we I think we talked about that earlier too, it bears repeating, but it seems like there's two types of people, not three. There's like the people who want to like you, like, I just love to help people. And those, to, and those yeah. who are, and those who were bullies in high school. <laughs> yeah. Bullies are, they were, yeah, they were nerds. And yeah. They, now they have some authority and, this makes them feel tough. Yeah. And, yeah. And I got that sense. I mean, again, I don't know him personally, but from reading about his background and all the complaints and all of that, it sounds right. like that is kind of his personality. And I've seen those type of coppers. Right. And again, going back to those probationary police officers that only had four days on the job, it's a tough, tough situation. Yeah. You know, I read an article about a, um, a West Point grad and you talk about honor, right? And they're supposed to like, it, it's self-regulated because if you see one of your classmates doing something wrong, you're supposed to turn them in and because the code is more important than the person, you know? And um, yeah. now the code for law enforcement is strange because they've got this immunity thing where they're not, they're immune from a lot of things that is not immune for citizens. You know about well, this? Well, that's less and less, but yeah. Well, there's a Supreme Court ruling that they're up to they're getting overturned now. It's like there's, uh, you know, hundreds of cases where, like, oh, the guy did this, this, well, we're going to, you know, dock his pay and, uh, for, for as opposed to, like, this is criminal activity, but, eh, he's got this, there's, a, there's an immunity piece of this that's in the law for, for law enforcement. Yeah, I would say the other thing is they were big on, on the police department, Chicago, is that your peace cannot be breached. So I think a lot of times officers get their ego hurt when somebody, so maybe if Floyd was mouthing off, I don't even know in the video if he was or if he right. was talking about Officers tend to take that personally. It's like, who cares? Your words don't hurt me. Your peace. My, my peace cannot be breached as a police officer. You know, right. you can say whatever you want. And right. so I think a lot of times that gets to officers and they want to take action based on words when it's like, let that stuff go. Mal Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers, talks about this. It's a, oh, it's, really? Oh, my God. I, it's a, I, I, I only heard the Joe Rogan podcast on it, so I haven't even finished the book. Yeah. But he talks about, yeah, this, they're not, people aren't talking. They're just, you know, reacting to assumptions. And it just, you know, there was a, a, a gal got pulled over for a taillight. And because she didn't want to roll the window, she didn't comply, blah, blah, blah. She, had, she, yeah. ended, she ended up dying in jail over a broken taillight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. It just escalates. Because then people don't know the Fourth Amendment search and seizure law. Right. And then they're pulling people out of cars. And yeah. it's just. It escalates. So I do, I, th I think it is a training issue. And I'll say for right. Chicago, there's, you know, 10,000 plus officers and yeah. you would get maybe one training intervention a year. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some video training, right. but really they play the video and roll call and they don't even have the volume up. It's just a check the box activity. And so, and those laws change and right. get updated. And that's why I formed my own company, a training company. 
to make mm -hmm. sure that my people were trained the very best yeah. on paper, physically, mentally, to be ready for the street wherever mm -hmm. they were. You couldn't rely on the department to give you the training. That's that's crazy to me. You know, all the training goes through our military for things. And, yeah. and what you told me, the, the training you got as, a, as an officer was, you know, minimal? Or? Yeah. You get a box of 50 rounds a year to shoot. And then you go and shoot a piece of paper, Yeah. 30 rounds, and then that's it. That's it. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I would argue that the law is even more important to know, you know, yeah. in addition to uh, physical training, you need to know the law as well. Right. What you can and that stuff's always updating. The other thing I'll say about the officer uh, Chauvin is that everybody kind of knows those officers exist. And yeah. usually they won't put a probationary police officer with someone like that because they kind of know. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, and again, it, I'm pro-police and I, I feel like I'm beating up the police in this situation. No, you're, you're beating up the bad guys and sometimes they wear a uniform. It's, I mean, most of the time they're good. They, they're here to serve and protect. But like you said, there's a you know yeah. bad apple and... When the when the green apple next to it can't has has no authority and power and that hierarchy thing, oh my gosh, that's 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 probably our next topic because that's that's so prevalent in everything in society. And well, twenty years ago, if this happened, it wouldn't be recorded. Yeah. And if an officer spoke up and that the you know the guy that had four days on the job spoke up, he would be ostracized by the yeah. entire department. Right. So it it has completely shifted. Right. Because that's just how it was. Policing was different. Mm -hmm. And on the streets in a tough city that he worked in. So what would you have done in that scenario? He's like, I would have pulled the guy off of him. Yeah, so, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like you said, there's there's some, um, you know, heightened sense of awareness. So we've talked about that to people. If people don't have that that calmness in stressful situations, it's yeah. tough. You know, it's if you don't have that ability through training then people no normally freak out. They fight or flight. Well, they're going to fight. Well, yeah, and if you look at his photo in the video compared to his mugshot, he looks yeah. like two different people. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I so didn't. I think he was probably at a you know a 10 level yeah. in the situation. And even if somebody was saying, get your knee off his neck, which people were, yeah. it, it wasn't even well, he, auditory exclusion. wasn't even hearing it. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. we we talk about that a lot. I think it's really like you said. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm just chatting here. So look, we both like just talking. Um, but that's a really good topic to, to understand. That yeah, we can watch a video in our living room and say, oh, horrible, and it, it is right. It's like right. this was execution by the state, in my opinion. I'm not excusing the guy. No, you aren't either. But we kind of understand how it can happen. Is that totally? Yeah. And that's why when I had my training company, we did stress inoculation training specifically for that reason. So that if you're Describe that. That people will find us fascinating. Yeah. So we would simulate a scenario as realistic as possible using simunition weapons. They look, feel, fire like a real weapon. They fire soap bullets, which hurt. They hurt. I mean, they don't obviously penetrate like a real bullet, but they yeah. hurt like hell. They'll leave you a bruise, yeah. possibly even a scar. And we induce stress either through like push-ups or jumping jacks or we have loud music going the lights are off the mm -hmm. radio's going so that you are in those extremely stressful situations and you can make really good decisions mm -hmm. so for instance we'd have them go through a scenario with very limited information under those stressful conditions yeah. and it's a shoot or don't shoot scenario or we have them do target discrimination where they go into a room full of 25 different targets and you have to figure out which target is a shoot and which one is not a shoot. Like yeah, the person holding the banana, like it's a gun. A lot of people shoot that person because I, I saw this in Men in Black. Yeah, Will Smith is really good about that. Yeah, he shot the little, yeah. little alien girl. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the pregnant woman holding a gun. Yeah. People don't want to shoot a pregnant woman, but she's right. got a gun for you. So we purposely would do those situations so that people can, under stress can make those decisions, but also function physically because you lose those fine motor skills. In the middle of that, and the example I always give is if you're in a car accident and you have to dial 911. Even me, I would I would have shaky fingers. Oh, yeah. I mean, people yeah. just get you just get nervous. It's not a normal situation. Mm -hmm. So police are in those situations a lot, and they're making a lot of different decisions. There's a lot of different things going on, life or death situations. So mm -hmm. we want to prepare them physically and mentally for those situations, and to make good decisions that aren't going to get them killed or land them in jail. Right. And one of the things you mentioned, I want to drill this down a little deeper too, is you talk about. How you don't even hear something when you're you got that tunnel. You talk about that on one of your situations, I think, where you were like, 
everything around you wasn't even going on, but you were able to execute your yeah. mission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of situations like that, or even where you'll have memory lapses mm -hmm. in an incident. And yeah. even if you think of a scary incident you've ever been in, usually you don't piece it together until you have a couple sleep cycles. So like yeah. one or two sleeps, and then you start to get the picture together fully. Mm -hmm. That's why there was push for when officers are involved in a shooting, the first thing they do is take their badge and gun and put them in a room and yeah. have them tell the story. Actually, there was some science saying that you should not do that because their memory is not fully formed and they have to have it with the sleeps in order to do that. Right. But it's almost near impossible in today's climate around police for them to get that kind of luxury to piece together their memories. But the example yeah. I, I'll give is my brother again. So he had 30 years on a police department. And he actually had to shoot an offender who had held somebody hostage, beat her, raped her, ended up killing her. Mm. And the offender came out of the structure he was in and pointed a gun at the officers. Well, my brother was the first person in the stack. So yeah. the line of SWAT guys, there's a guy with a shield and then my brother's right behind him. My brother does the shooting and the guy next to him, his ears are like blown out from the sound of the rifle. Oh my God. He have hearing protection. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. My brother, he knows he's going to shoot. His body goes into protection mode and his ears like turn off and protect his ears and he does not have the hearing damage. It's crazy. That it's is crazy. crazy, yeah. The other thing he'll say, my brother, is that he thought that the road that the guy came out walking on was completely paved and smooth. He mm -hmm. thought it was like, you know, 10 feet. But then when he went back a few days later with the investigators, it was uh, totally potholed situation there were fences it was like 40 feet where he took the shot it was totally different from what he imagined yeah in mind and uh dave grossman a military guy writes about this on, in his books on combat and on killing and he'll say mm -hmm. how when people are involved in these like they'll be even be shooting their gun and the the rounds that they're that come out yeah look like kegs of beer like that's how big they'll look to people Wow. Because it's that like slow motion, like your mind slows down and almost puts you in slow motion. You get tunnel vision, you get the auditory exclusion, you get the fight or flight. There's a lot of things chemically that go mm -hmm. on with your body. It's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, certainly. Okay, doctor, yeah. doctor, doctor, yeah. doctor, she loves this stuff. Well, I love the neuroscience. Behind yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Very and I cool. think that's just important to train. Like you can have these big macho guys mm -hmm. or gals on the job, but you need to be mentally prepared too. Right, right. Okay. It's not just a physical thing. Yeah. It, it, police work requires critical thinking. I think maybe. And fast. You can't sit and you oh, you can't sit and debate it. You know, it's got to be binary. You know, yes, no. Right. Yeah. 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 And that that takes experience. That takes training. And it's also also a perishable skill. Mm. I mean, I've been kind of out of it for a while. I'm sure if I went and did some of these trainings, I'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just because I've been out of that life for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I do think it's a disservice on the training mm -hmm. side from the police department. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what about from the uh, you know master's communication, yeah. Karen? Uh, socially, I mean, what's going on with our our people out there uh, protesting or rioting, whatnot? You have a, a take on that? I worry the precedent that it's set for the next time there's some grievance that people have. You cannot have that state of civil unrest. I mean, oh. there were threats that they were going to come into the residential neighborhoods that, that would yeah. have been horrific all around. There would have been a lot of bloodshed. Right. So I get it. People are upset. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how the correlation between looting and rioting is going to solve anything. Well, yeah, no, I don't think anybody... Um, there's no logical, you know, reason for that. That's just opportunity or or, or something nefarious, you know. It's, yeah, it yeah. it seemed more about money and product and what they're going to do with the goods that they stole and less about, yeah, you know, your toy. And the other thing I'll say about that, and the other thing I kind of struggle with, and I know I'm going to get beat up for saying this, is that, you know, Memorial Day weekend there was like 90 people shot in Chicago, and mm. I don't know how many homicides out of that. And nobody's yeah. talking about that. Yeah. It's the one incident where it's police on citizen that gets talked about. So I, I kind of struggle with that because there's that many people shot and killed daily in Chicago that nobody's talking about. You're not going to get beat up for that. That's um, another article I read. I wish I could pull it up. I lost it. It's something about um, um, proximity yeah. awareness. When something's close to us, we, we have a more of an emotional tug to it, right? If, I, if somebody falls in the lake and drowns, 
in 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 um, in Holland, I have I don't care, right? If it happens in my neighborhood, I'm going to talk about it and feel bad. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's something about that proximity and video nowadays, and the whole body cam thing has come out now. That's just, I mean, that's just. Uh, is that what's, what's your position on the body cam thing for officers? Is that, no, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it saves more officers than harms them. Yeah, I think it's a great thing, and yeah. most progressive officers would say they'd rather have the camera and at this point would feel uncomfortable without the camera on because there are a lot of false complaints there are a lot of uh, things made against police officers that the camera helps clear up mm -hmm. nice so, okay. yeah mm -hmm. i always liked the camera i, w I was fine with the camera well, of course you are you're fine on camera it's fine. <laughs> oh, i'm sorry point another way of course yeah <clears throat> yeah and so i'm not saying that the george floyd incident isn't terrible and doesn't no, no. shouldn't have attention it should but also should scenario that's going on in Chicago and other cities as far as crime. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, 90 people shot in one weekend is ridiculous. Yeah. That's, yeah it's and it's nice out this weekend. I have a feeling it's going to be even more people shot. So we should talk about the George Floyd, but we should also talk about that as well. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Karen, obviously the solution is just, you know, more gun control, right? <laughs> I know how yeah, you feel no. about that. So I can, I can bring I it. I think that the gun control argument is gone now because the fact that people were threatening to come into the suburbs yeah. and residential areas of the city, you haven't heard a peep about gun control. And I don't think you're going to because the first thing that happened were people were calling me saying, Do you have guns I can borrow? Because <laughs> they're in my neighborhood. And I'm like, I'm not a gun uh, dealer. Uh, there's no rental here. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You know, so I think that argument's out the window. And I was pro-gun in Chicago, pro-Second Amendment before concealed carry was even allowed. Yeah. Because I'm one a female, I'm I'm tall, but I'm smaller stature. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be protected. You yeah. know, I the police are minutes away when seconds count. And so it's, I wanna take it into my own hands to protect myself. Right. Right. And right. I think the gun control windows or gun control discussion is out the window at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were hunkering down, ready to go if something were happening in the neighborhood. Yeah. You have to. You have to. You're setting such a terrible precedent. Mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. oh, I can go break into the Louis Vuitton store? Of course, I would love to go break into the Louis Vuitton store. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just a terrible precedent, though. I mean, anytime anybody has any sort of grievance, if that's the, the norm, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You, you think yeah. it's, you, you think it's uh, uh, other forces that work there? I see these pallets of bricks and stuff. What's your, what's oh, your opinion gosh. on that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. I definitely think it's tied to election, you know. Yeah. So, but all those other conspiracy theories, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess I wouldn't say anything's out of the question, but it's, right. it's hard to say. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised, but not doing a whole lot of research right now. It's not really important to me. Yeah, I'm not at the tinfoil hat just yet. I'm trying yeah. to have a little bit more of a positive outlook and mm -hmm. control what I can control. Yeah. But it is timed with the election and, you know, and, and now we and, anything and, about COVID. And, yeah, right. And people are, you know, they're protesting against violence. It's It would be odd for that mindset. Hey, you know, this guy, I was you know, executed, the citizens executed the street by the state. Um, all I can think of it, like my, you know, my daughter went and protested and Glenn Ellen, you know, I'm like, go, go for it. I'm sure, you know, just make sure you check your six and have an exit in case somebody shows up there. Yeah. But, you know, um, but yeah, was somebody, like? it was fine. Yeah, she was fine. Okay. I don't know. I didn't peaceful. find how many people, but it was peaceful there. You know. Yeah. It's Glenn Allen. You know Glenn Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think a peaceful protest is okay. Yeah. Well, I, I get a lot of images of, you know, officers and protesters holding hands and putting their shields down and saying, "Yeah, I'm with you." You know, they're yeah. there, they're there to keep order, but they understand the the emotional part of this, right? Yeah, and I think that's really important. And if you look at social psychology, there's studies that you have that even if you take a group of people who don't know each other and you put some on team A and some on team B, they are going to go at each other just from a social psychology perspective. So the fact that we have citizens versus police. Right. It's just sort of natural to be competitive against each other because you're automatically in two different groups. I want to hear more about that. You have a <laughs> you can cite a study or something like that. It just sounds yeah. Crazy. I, I mean, I don't know the exact study on that. That's okay. But a lot of studies about that where mm -hmm. even random people and you put them in Jersey A, Jersey B, mm -hmm. they would really go at each other. They just that's just it's, human nature. It's that, that tribal mentality. We're we're, yeah. we're we're tribes. We want to 
It's like I was I was I was analyzing for this from a marketing marketing perspective of people doing their books, which you know, we could talk about in a minute. But um, a lot of people. I had this one gal who had a happiness book. You know, I'm like happy. Oh, it's good. We want to be more happy, but it's just so. It was so happy. I said, well, you need a nemesis in any story. You can't have light without dark. You know, yeah. and like I said, I was looking at like um, one of my friends is a real big. Um, he's not a White Sox fan. He's a Cubs hater. Oh, <laughs> it's like okay. he. He hates the Cubs more than he loves his own team because it's that that rivalry was um, giving some juice, I guess. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I'll find the study on that, but yeah. I do think that part of the solution is the police and citizens coming together to solve problems. Yeah. I do. When the the last thing flared up, uh, I forgot what it was a few years ago. It talked about community policing. Uh, it was about something happened. I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And getting, you know, policemen to actually, you know, walk around the community and get to, like, know people. Yeah. And that, that, would, that will melt that little barrier between uniform and, and citizens. Like, no, no, that's, that's Barney Fife. He's one of us, you know. Yeah, and one of the reasons I even became a police officer, one, I wanted to help people. But mm -hmm. I remembered when I was in high school, my mom got pulled over by a cop. Mm -hmm. And he's the biggest asshole to my mother. <laughs> and... You know, he was yelling at her on the PA, like embarrassing her. He was yeah. talking to her like shit. And I'm like, I will not treat people like that. I'm not yeah. going to treat people like that. Mm -hmm. And so when I went on the job, I'd like to think that I treated people with respect. And that's the way it should be. Right. And that has resulted in the zero complaints against me. And that's not to right. say I wasn't. No, I got to I gotta roll some applause here. Check it out. Yay, applause. Zero complaints. Yeah, and that, you know, a complaint it doesn't necessarily mean something bad happened, so I don't want to give Well, no, I know you had, you've had, had, you had your, your, your share of altercations or arrests yeah. and stuff, too, right? I mean. But even, I had a female partner who was smaller than I for a long time, and, you know, what good is it for us to pull somebody over and talk to them like shit? What good is that going to do? We're going to escalate the situation. We're going to have to call for somebody else to help us. Yeah. You have to figure out other strategies to influence people and get somebody into cuffs who maybe doesn't want to go into cuffs or needs to be in cuffs. I think you mentioned that. Can you remember one of those and, and share that story with us? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, I, we have a situation, we laugh about it still, her and I, where, you know, we'd have straight up gangbangers telling us yeah. that they actually respect us and we appreciate the way you treated us and we'd be locking them up for something, <laughs> you know? And like I said, it goes back to that respect and dignity and... Yeah integrity and i think people appreciate that mm -hmm. and i'm not saying there's not times when you have to go hands-on and, and do more things but it's because the other person is asking you to do that by their actions right and so that was the approach that we always took and so we didn't like to escalate situations unnecessarily right floyd in that situation they should have just got him up and out of there there's no reason that he's around what's 10 minutes yeah what's the, what's the point were they waiting i don't know the story were they waiting for something I don't know. I don't, that's a good actually now that we're talking that is a good question like what were they waiting for at that yeah. point the ambulance yeah. or another car or the wagon our our goal was always like get him in the car, car, in the car out of the situation out of the environment right yeah. yeah yeah right because people are going to come out people are going to start recording right. and what good is it to wait there and what for he's already going to jail at that point right so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, that's great. And then um, I know you're, uh, you know, with the, you know, you're not a, you're not a cop anymore. So we could talk about no, your, no. your, your. But I the radio quite a bit, and I was like, oh, I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you got your own podcast now. Let's hear about your podcast. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I am still doing that. So it's a podcast geared towards women. So some of my research. So I, as Doug mentioned, I'm an academic and a professor, and so I do my own research. And some of my research showed that women don't often see themselves as leaders or feel like they're heard as leaders. This was overwhelming response from, you know, a large sample size of really successful, intelligent, accomplished women who said, I don't feel like I'm seen as a leader and I don't feel like I'm heard as a leader. Mm -hmm. So I started the podcast as a way to shine a light on female leaders. So mm -hmm. it's mostly women. I have men, of course, on there um, talking about but, their leadership. But they're very leadership. feminine. Okay, I get it. Sorry. <laughs> Talking about their leadership approach, talking about their career journey, yeah. talking about, you know, challenges they faced as a female yeah. in business. Right. And it's gotten really good response. And, yeah. you know, I think it's a good discussion because leadership is one of those like fuzzy, oh, nebulous it's, words. It's, it's a massive word with a lot of meanings, right? Yeah. yeah. So we kind of break it down, you know, yeah. by definition and 
what's worked, what doesn't work, what works for women versus what works for men, because there's nuances there, yeah. and kind of cover all of that. Yeah, it, it goes back, it actually ties into my next thought, which is, as a man, as a white man, right, I'm like, oh, come on. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm colorblind, all right, because last time I checked, I'm not an albino, okay, so this is a shade of brown, light brown, okay, so that's my, my viewpoint on race, like, come on. And when I think, when I hear about women's inequality stuff, I, I, I feel like, oh, come on, really? And like, come on, I, there's, we've had, you know, women in power, women CEOs, Meg Whitman at eBay, blah, blah, blah. But then you've told me some stories, and a couple other clients told me some stories, and yeah. I can't believe them. The, the dumb things that come out of people's mouths in 2020. Yeah, and listen, my stance is to be so good they can't ignore you. I'm not saying I want a special handout or right. pick me because I'm a woman. I, that actually would be a disservice to women. Right. So my stance is to be so good, get the things you need, the mm -hmm. skills, experience you need, and then be so good they can't ignore you. But that being said, if you look at the numbers, you know, four yeah. percent of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are women, right. but the workforce is over fifty percent female, over right. 50%, and only 4% are in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. The numbers are staggering, and yes, of course, I personally have had lots of scenarios that have happened to me in business that you're like, what the fuck? And when I'm <laughs> young movie, and I don't really know that much, and right. I'm in an entry position, I just take it, and I don't know what to do with it. Right. Now in my career, I'm like, we're gonna battle, and I'm gonna embarrass you yeah. for being an idiot. Don't don't go to war with Karen Bartuch. You're going to lose. No, I don't care what gender you are. At this point, but again, going back to 25 year old Karen, it's different, you right. know. And so, and if you think of like Harvey Weinstein situation mm -hmm. and Bill Cosby, and yeah. there are men in power that are abusing it. Yep. And for sure, victimizing women. Right. And my whole goal is, as a female, to get you out of the victim situation mentality, whatever it might be. And get you to be a victor in situations. Right, and the yes, right. We got that that that, that word you coined here. Victorization. Yeah. Victorization. I love that. And obviously, yeah, Weinstein, Cosby. These are these are blatant abuses. You know, criminal abuses. But I think what's fascinating to me was the subtle ones that we don't even see in the workplace. And you mentioned a couple of them. We we're talking about your your upcoming book. Um, I think you said some you know boardroom where somebody said something and nobody spoke up. Do you want to share that story? Yeah. It was a good yeah. one. Sure. Board room full of 12 or 14 men, myself mm -hmm. and another female who actually worked for me. And she raised her hand and said, hey, I'd like to ask a question. And the number two guy in the company said, no, you can't ask a question. And so <laughs> I literally slammed my hands on the table and said, you can ask whatever question you want to ask. And the room just fell silent. And then she asked her question and it was fine. It was a little awkward. But then people came to me afterwards, men that were in the room, and were like, you know, I really didn't like what, why he, when he did that and when he said that. And then people went to the woman and said, you know, I really didn't like that. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But it's like, say something then. Yes, that's my point. It's like you're the only one to say that was, that was stupid and wrong, but nobody yeah. else had the balls to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that the hierarchy thing again? Because that was the, the number two guy in the company and everybody else was below him? And he was just an asshole and <laughs> well, yeah. you know, a loud mouth and he would embarrass people in meetings so people right. were afraid to speak up and so it was mm -hmm. just that culture. Right. Whereas I don't care. I had nothing to lose at that point. But I you know, people say stupid shit all the time. It's, yeah. it's not necessarily people saying stupid stuff. It's it's when it starts to affect like your career trajectory or getting selected for roles right. or they're doing a talent review and the mm -hmm. women are getting scrutinized more than the men are. I've been in rooms where that's happening. People don't even realize they're doing it. There's that, studies out bring, there. Bring that up. Talk about your study, and then I want to hear about a story about that one. That's, again, a nuance that has big, big repercussions. Yeah, there's a study about venture capital and female entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and how when men go in and pitch, they're being asked about the art of the possible, what they could possibly do with this money and you know what their company is going to bring in, whereas yeah. the women are getting hammered on, like, you know, what, why, why should they even be considered? What experience do they possibly have? They're being hammered on things like historically, whereas the men are being asked questions in, in a future state yeah. and more of a possible possibility state. And the women are just being questioned for even being at the table. And yeah. people don't even realize they're doing it. I mean, I, that's the thing. It's an unconscious bias. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you're going to, you're going to fix that. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, one of the best things you could do is talk about it. Right. I, you know, hey, the same thing goes for race. I probably need to learn and get up to speed on that as well. You know, I do like to think of myself as a inclus inclusivity and diversity advocate. Right. But I think still I probably have things to learn when it comes to that. You know, yeah. from a female perspective, I get it. But, you know, there's other things I, I need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, when I was talking to one of my other, uh, you know, exceptional liberal friends on Facebook the other day, he made some some statement. I'm like, oh, good job on being divisive, you know. He's like, oh, I call him to see him, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure Martin Luther King and Gandhi did too, but he didn't like, you know, sound like a like a nan 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 nan, you know. He was, and yeah. It, it goes it goes to like, okay, so. And I will, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, a friend of mine bought up the Colin, Colin uh, Kaepernick, you know, taking a knee during the national anthem, what it was, three years ago or something like that. And at the time, I'm like, oh, come on, that guy's not patriotic. He, he, he's an idiot. And my, my black friend said, well, Doug, do you know why they have the national anthem at the, at the stadiums? And you know when it happened, when it started? I said, no. It was, well, the U.S. Defense Department started getting money to the NFL to fly jets over and start doing the national anthem. It's propaganda. It has nothing to do with patriots. It's all money and propaganda to for armed forces. I'm like, oh, where's the follow the follow money, where's the MO, right? I'm like, okay, I'm not hundred percent against it now. I still think you I said, why don't you protest at the police station, not at the not at the sports stadium, right? And well that was his venue because he's He's at the sports stadium. He's got more audience there. I'm like, oh, okay. So it took it took me time to change my mind. Go, you know what? He was right. I thought he was an idiot. Now I think he's right. But that only happened because I had an open mind. A and you had a dialogue, yeah. Yeah. An intelligent discussion, not emotion being right. The cognitive yeah. dissonance thing, right? I mean, you know, yeah, more about yeah. it than you, I do. Or confirmation bias, where you're looking for answers that right. support you. Right. Yeah. From all my, all my conspiracy friends are really good at that. Well, that's because of this. You know, they're really good at. It. Yeah. Well, I would never kneel at the national anthem. I understand that that's his right to do that. Yeah. Right. He may have reason to do it. I, you know, I'm a big supporter of the military. They fight for my freedom, and so I would never do that. But that's not to say I can judge somebody else for doing it. So. Right. Yeah. It was, it was his venue, his thing. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Interesting stuff. Man, yeah. okay. So your your podcast, what's the name of your podcast? Victorization. Victorization, not victimization. We're enunciating Correct. correctly here. Victorization. Spellcheck tries to correct it back <laughs> to victimization. And that's what I'm trying to get away from. Right, right. Yeah, and it, that goes back to the police department. So when we did a lot of tactical training and combat mindset training, even when we started to train civilians, we would say that the bad guy's looking for a victim. Not yeah. an opponent. Right. Even a school shooter. Think of an active school shooter. They're mm -hmm. going into a school because it's full of targets. Yeah. Easy right. targets right. that are unarmed. And and the and studies even show the second they are confronted by a teacher or a police officer, they either kill themselves or are killed. Whoa. So the bag is looking for victims. Right. And so if you carry yourself in a different way and mm -hmm. you get out of that mindset, it it changes your world. And so that's kind of the mindset that I want for women to have is like, let's not let these things happen to us. Yep. And I'm not saying there aren't true victims of it, because there are for sure. But I'm saying let's take the onus on us a little bit more. Yeah. Prepare ourselves, not that it's a battle, but prepare ourselves mentally and physically uh -huh. for what may or may not happen in a work situation. Right. You know, work business is tough, you know? Right. There's gonna be bad guys, there's gonna be bullies. Mm -hmm. But you have to learn to stand up for yourself and be assertive and take mm -hmm. a stance and have a voice and know who you are as a leader. Right. That's kind of what I'm preaching. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it either. You know? No. You know, I, we, you know, we have all our opinions about different groups, right? The Democrats, mm -hmm. Republicans, Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. There's all these big groups. But if I find one chink in the armor, does that mean the whole group is, is wrong or should I dismiss them? No. No. Mm -hmm. And I think the same way... All black people don't want to be judged the same way. No. All police officers don't want to be judged the same right. way. Yeah. Yeah. And but all men, white men shouldn't be judged the same way. That's you know? right. I'm yeah. a minority now, I think. <laughs> I've had great male sponsorship from, uh -huh. you know, white men. Right. So 
I've had great sponsorship on that that side. Yeah. And you need to have that actually in order to succeed. Right. right. So yeah. and I'm not out to alienate groups or people or individuals, but yeah. I will judge you subjectively if you're an asshole or not. Okay. I'll I'll be I'll be polite. I'll be polite. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's not it's because people say dumb shit all the time to me, even still at this stage of my career, but it's when it starts to affect you being selected for roles or special projects or right. things like or pay, yeah. things like that. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was listening to a, a Jordan Peterson thing talk about white privilege, whatnot. My my daughters, if they watch this, they're going to yell at me, but they're like, yeah, white privilege. It's like, okay, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But there's also tall people privilege because tall people yeah. do better than short people. Oh, there's also, you know, thin people privilege because fat people are looked down upon. Or um, what about people who are smarter? I mean, do you want to make it? You want to make equality for everybody who's like, no matter what their intelligence level is. Do you want the average guy working on your on your cataract surgery, or do you want the best? Yeah, you your, your brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I heard an tweet tweet from a black female who was like, "I don't like the term white privilege because that automatically puts me in a uh, inferior position." Right. Yeah. Yeah. I listen. I I have not experienced that. I just I just have my own my own feelings, and I have. You know, plenty of friends, and uh, you know, went out with a black girl. I'm like, come on, this is just uh, we're all brown, light shade, dark shade. But no one's. I don't have any albino friends, so I'm sorry, I'm not white. I don't know. Yeah, it's just me. I mean, but I do want to see it from the other side because I. I do too. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, we I, I'm at, open to conversations. We'll we'll get another uh, person of yeah. color on the show and talk more about this because I I want to know more so I don't say something stupid because yeah, um, you know. If there's injustice, you know, I want to help and be part of the solution, yeah. not part of the problem, right. for sure. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing that, um, this is why I sort of like have watched the news and, and like 90% off social media now is, you know, no one's doing anything. They're all just yap, 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 yap. It goes back to that yeah. um, um, bias thing, right? The uh, yeah. confirmation bias. bias. Like, yeah. Who cares what you think? I don't. And I bet in two weeks, nobody's talking about it to the degree that they're talking about it. Talk, what's that? Policy. Talk about what? In two weeks, nobody's going to be talking about it. I hope not. I mean, I hope so. I hope no one's talking about it in two weeks. It'd be... Well, I think mean, it's time for action. Yeah. Well, that 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 immunity. I wish I had the. I had the. I pulled the article. I didn't pull it for a call here, but I I read it. Um, and they gave they cited like twelve cases of, um, you know, immunity for officers that were like just egregious breaches of our you know constitution stuff. But they have this immunity clause where they're able to like get out of a lot of things. Uh, one example, I, 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 I remember this one, uh, they went into a, um, a drug dealer's house, right, and they found a quarter million dollars, and 50000 went into the lockup. <laughs> and the uh, 200000 is gone, and they knew it, they knew they took it, like, ah, well, no, nothing. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's, okay, so was it drug, they didn't, I mean, they didn't even talk about the prosecution part of, the, of, the, of how the money was, was found, but the fact that it was stolen, and then nobody cared, and nobody got punished for it is like okay they're immune from punishment for for theft uh, my experience is that that's a huge deal and yeah i wouldn't even so when you get on shift you get your squad car keys you go and you look at the squad car you look at yeah. the back right where the cage where prisoners are held yeah if there was 50 cents on the floor i would not take the 50 cents wow. so and they do integrity checks on the police department oh, they test you they'll bill. leave things there yeah they'll leave a hundred dollar bill to see if you take it or yeah. they'll leave a handgun, I don't know, or, or drugs to see if what you do with it. So the way I police and the people around me yeah. would not be, and it would be a huge deal if money went missing yeah. and they would do a big investigation for that right. from my experience. Right. Not that it doesn't always happen and people aren't smarter in the system. It goes back to the bad apple thing, you know, no, nothing's perfect and uh, it's just, there's got to be a way to, um, to refine the, um, the orchard so we don't have as many bad apples out so often. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's a selection process and yeah. a deselection process. It's hard to fire a police officer because they're in a union. Yeah. yeah. So they just kind of shift them around or have them work to the desk or have them guard a parking lot. Yeah. I think, and then the selection process needs to be better. You're right. giving people the ability to take away somebody's rights and life, essentially. Right. So the selection process should be. A little bit more stringent. I wonder how recruitment is going to be in the next next few months with all this. Who the hell would want to be a cop? I don't know. 
I mean, no, you do everything right. It's more dangerous than joining the military right now. <laughs> you think yeah. about it, their odds are bad. I mean, my my um, former college roommate is, but he immediately went to the sheriff's department and you know took some you know some suburban area suburban shift where he wasn't in as much danger as his friends in L.A. So yeah, yeah. But you know, when I came on the job, people were saying that too. And they mm -hmm. were like, "Why would you want to do it?" Because cameras were just starting to come around a right. few years after I got on. Yeah. That was a huge paradigm sh shift, and so I think it, it's an evolution, and people are always going to want to help other people, hopefully. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, but when I took the test, there was twenty thousand people applying to be a police officer. Wow. Now it's like less than a thousand. <gasps> oh my yeah. gosh! People, we would fill the United Center. We filled one of the tests. The first test was just a basic kind of like mental ability test, yeah, and yeah. twenty thousand people would go to take it. We fill the United Center. Wow. And now it's not like that anymore. No. You had to get on list and you had to wait and you were scored and it was like an awesome job if you got it because you get a pension mm. and it's a yeah, job right. and insurance. And it's not like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to the radio the other day and I was, this was in the middle of all the looting and riots and yeah. they were calling for help and there was no help. I mean, I can't think of a scarier situation as a police officer. What? The police are calling for help? Police are calling for help and there's no help. Oh. Available. Jeez. Yeah, I saw the one picture. One picture of a guy got separated from his squad or something. He's by himself, and a bunch of protesters were stood around to protect him. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. it's just like that that makes you realize they're still good. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, there's still hope, right? So we'll focus on that. Um, again, folks, if you want to hear more of Karen's brilliance, um, her podcast is called Victorization. Yep, available yep. on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. And yep. um, I think we'll have you back again and talk about your upcoming book, too, but not today. Yeah, we'll talk I about that, that during yeah. the future. This is, a good, this is a good topic, though, to talk through. Yeah, that was a good topical. Yeah. And, yeah, we just want um, you know, people to be smart and safe out there and uh, um, be calm. And listen, yeah. to, listen to Karen. She knows more than most people about all these things. You know, it's like <laughs> doc, Dr. Bartucci. Yes. So thank you very much for your time today, Karen. Uh, we appreciate you and appreciate what you've done. And we're going to go ahead and do a little quick uh, video here. We're all done. So thank you very much. All right, thank you. Thank you, Ben.